Yourself with Sarah Dawkins, Episode 6, with guest Misty Fields. Welcome to Heal Yourself with myself, Sarah Dawkins. This is Episode 6, and my guest today is the lovely Misty Fields in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hello, Misty. Hi. Hi, Sarah. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Um, Misty, would you like to tell everybody a bit about your yourself, your background, and your healing? Absolutely. So I am trained as a biological anthropologist, so you might wonder how I ended up in this, but uh, I do now work with grief and related trauma, and it's a passion of mine. And so I have a few modalities that I use and basically can boil it down as narrative, uh, which is the telling of your story, and somatic, which is body work, um, to help deal with the trauma that may be seated in your body. I came into this work through um, actually a lifetime, you could say, of things that I'm still dealing with some shadow issues, some... Um, repressed memories and I do work with someone who helps me with those and also grief that was never attended to and my earliest loss that was really significant was a loss of a boyfriend when I was 18 and there were so many issues in the way that I learned about his death and uh, he died in a car accident and there were many ways that prevented my grieving. And so I can honestly say I made a conscious decision within a few days of his passing to not think about it anymore. And at that time I was 18, so I hadn't even developed. And then fast forward a few years, um, I lost my brother. And uh, I took care of him. My father and I took care of him while he was uh, dying. And so that also was a, a deep grief that I didn't address because I believed at the time, I had a lot of misunderstanding about grief. I believe that you just has to be, had to be strong and push your way through it and take care of everybody else. I was a, um, I believed in the busyness to carry us through grief, which I now know is a way of avoiding grief. And so that was some of the things that happened. Then in the natural course of life, I lost my parents, um, and especially the loss of my father, who was a, my best friend and my mentor, was very difficult. And none of that was dealt with because I deal with it. And so um, not knowing how, I continued to bury my grief and push through. And then I had a turning point, um, an event that happened in Las Vegas, October 1, 2017. And it was a um, traumatizing event for our whole community. And in that time, I began to realize I was having some serious symptoms related to grief and unaddressed trauma. And so some of those symptoms were uh, avoidance. Uh, I even avoided all people as much as I could. 
I taught at the time. So I remember going to work and I would say, look down at the ground. Don't look at anybody because if they ask you how you are, you're just. And so I would go to work, do my job, light up for my students and then close back down again, leave work and not deal with it and not talk to anyone. So eventually what I did was I had a cabin in the mountains outside of Las Vegas. And so I remembered telling my husband I was going to go up there and spend some time because I was having these severe symptoms. And these included, I would start to shake so hard from the inside out that it would become uncontrollable. Uh, I would wake up from very disturbing nightmares in a, in a sweat over my whole body. Um, I had panic attacks, which if you've had those, you know what those are like. And in the past, after I had lost my brother, I went for counseling and I was shown how to help deal with some of those issues, but I never deal, dealt with the underlying grief. And so I found myself up on the mountain, um, avoiding people. Um, and I had a deck, really large deck on my cabin where you could look out, there were wild horses and I could kind of interact with them. And if you know anything about me, horses are a part of my life and they have been my whole life. And so I just stayed up on my deck. I slept tremendous amount of hours outside on the deck. Um, because at night I would wake up in sweats and shaking and hyperventilating and panic attacks. So I was probably up there for, I, I would say a good couple of months of sleeping a lot and not talking, not watching news or any, no satellite. After a couple of months was I began to tell that something was resetting in me and we could look at it uh, as, as it relates to physiologically to trauma in our body, but I'm just going to call it an inner shift that I could feel something start to reset in me. I wasn't being as reactive. And, and so I began to open up again to what I would call a healing for myself. And I began to realize how many layers of grief I had not addressed and how much trauma was seated in my body all the way back to my childhood. And one evening after several months up there, I felt very strongly a message of returning to the valley and reaching back out to people, um, which, I, which I did. So back into the valley, I went for help for my grief and started to peel away. Layers and layers and layers of grief. I uh, began to learn how to deal with trauma. And so I thought, this is amazing. Uh, what began to happen was a complete shift uh, that freed me up and made me feel lighter and happier than I thought I could ever feel again. And instead of feeling so connected with those I'd lost, I began to reconnect with life. And that was a super important thing 
for me. And so that's why I began to study grief and trauma. And I love working with people who are in a similar position. And my main message for people is to know that and find happiness and joy in life again. So that's kind of a nutshell. <laughs> because when, when we're in a position of grief, we can't see that happiness and joy, can we? We just, we just all, it's so all consuming. It is. And so I want to explain a little bit so we understand some terms and, and I want I don't want to get real heavy in terminology, but sure. bereavement is the time of loss. Mourning is our expression of grief, but grief is an entire mind, body and heart experience. Yeah. It isn't just the emotion, it's the whole physiology that happens to our bodies. <clears throat> it's what happens to our brains because we have a lot of inflammation when we're in grief. Yeah. And that inflammation, the brain fog, people will say to me, I can't think about anything anymore. And they just want to know that's that's normal. That's okay for right now. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And and the symptoms a lot of people don't understand what's happening within their bodies during that time of grief um, and it's it's i mean the um the stages of grief there are stages of grief to go through but it's nothing's linear is it we can bounce backwards and forwards yes we're, we're really careful we're careful when we talk about any kind of stage because it isn't it is just an entire experience that can happen in any number of ways. And there are things associated with grief, such as denial and anger and trying to make deals, bargains, you know, if I do this, will they get better? Um, yeah. But there's so much more to it. So <clears throat> when I look at grief, I just, one of the most important things for them to know is that it is normal and natural in relation to loss. And then I tell people, what you're feeling doesn't feel normal. But if they know that this is to be expected, it's not quite as frightening for people, not quite as overwhelming. Yes. Yeah. Because there is so much going on, isn't there? Yes. That people just can't grasp it. And with the brain fog on top, um, it's difficult to even think logically and, and progress through your day. Yeah, you know, that is exactly right, because our logical thinking brain is inflamed from yeah. all of the hormones that flood our body with grief. And so, no, thinking is not clear. It's not logical. Um, and so what a lot of people do, and this was my mistake. Want to avoid feeling it. The conscious decision that I made when my boyfriend died was my way of trying to deal with everything that was so overwhelming, but I shoved it down and I said, I will not think about it. I will not go there. And that set me up. When my brother died, I did the same thing. And so it became a pattern of how I was dealing with grief because I didn't understand grief. Yeah, but but so many of us, Misty, you know, I've lost several family members over a period of time. And and I think it's in the main, most people, the majority of people 
will just push it down and bury it and, and hope it'll go away because they don't know how to deal with it. And so, you know, when I study in anthropology, we look at different groups around the world and how they grieve and many cultures allow full expression of grief. They encourage wailing and tremendous emotional outlet where here we expect a little more subdued reaction. We think that, okay, you're in your bereavement period. So that's okay during that time. You can grieve and then funerals over, services are done. Yeah. And shouldn't you be getting on with your life? That's kind of put on us. And it's, we're getting, we're breaking through that. We're understanding more and yeah. people are getting much more aware. Um, but that's something that I know that I'm here for to say, we need awareness. We need grief awareness. We need yeah. grief, um, empathy <laughs> for ourselves. Yeah. 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 Because the, uh, in the main, I think most people have lost somebody at some point in their life. Um, and we all tend to deal with it differently because we're not sure what the right thing to do is um, until we meet people like yourselves. You yes. Know? And there is no right thing to do. It's, it's do what feels right for you. Do what, what comes from within. Yes. This is so important uh, because here's the other thing with grief. People will say, so can you tell me when this is going to end? When am I going to feel better? Um, and that is something I do not give an answer to. I just assure them that as we work, you will feel better. But the thing about grief is it is as unique to each person as the relationship that we've lost. Yeah. And we have to recognize that there are many, many complexities to all relationships. Your puppy in you, your goldfish in you, your job and what it means to you, your best friend who moves away, your boyfriend who breaks up with you, your loved one who you lose. It just can go on and on. Yeah, yeah. And I think this we have always... to. Sorry, go on. Oh, well, I just want. We have to give ourselves grace to be human. Yes. Yes, we do. We do. And, and I think there's always a part within us that will hold that small aspect of grief because we don't, we don't so much move on and forget. We just learn how to cope. And I think we just build coping mechanisms throughout life because that loss of, of a loved one um, never really goes away, never leaves us. They're always there within us, but we learn how to cope and how to reintegrate back into life and accept that loss. And those are such good points, Sarah, because another thing is that when we initially lose someone, especially if it has been a traumatic loss or an illness where we took care of them or watched them decline, or any number of other complex issues around loss, <clears throat> we can lose contact with those other memories. And sometimes people say to me, all I can remember is how sick they were. All I can remember is that moment I learned of their death. And so, or all I can remember is that day they let me go from my job and walked me out the door or whatever the loss is, um, the 
they go on and on loss. But the important thing is that when we start to actually move through some of those early, um, some of those latent memories from our loss, we tap back into the earlier memories. And then we start to know you're beginning to integrate that loss. And when I see people start to say, I usually say after a while, after we've worked a while, you can say, tell me a funny memory. Tell me something they did that you found so funny. And when we access that and they laugh and they cry, oh, yeah, their, um, their memory, so to speak, with all of that. And another thing I'll often ask people is, and something you can ask yourself, just to humanize your loved one, what is something they did that really bugged me? I remember such and such, and it really bugged me. And you might laugh about it or you cry about it. Um, and sometimes we lose someone that we have a um, difficult relationship with. There were unresolved communications. And so we have ways of getting to that, but I highly recommend for your own healing to start, and I don't even wanna call it a formal journal, just start writing. When those memories come up or those thoughts come up, write them down. And there is known research that as we release and write, we actually begin some of that healing process. So these are all really important things to do. It is so cathartic writing. Absolutely. Yeah, so. And, and when I started writing my book, it was about my own healing. And I just threw 10,000 words out onto the computer about how I was a victim, what had happened to me. It was all so bad and unfair. Um, and once I got them out, I felt so much better. Really that was a lot of grief you let go of. Um, it is. And, and sometimes we need to do that just to let go yes. of those emotions and those feelings. And I find as well that it, it helps to reframe it because then you can, once it's all out, you can then look at it and say, is this really true? Is this really what happens? And am I going to continue to make this my story or I'm going to change my story so that I'm a better person for it? So it's so cathartic to get it out of ourselves. That is so well said, Sarah. Um, the, the reframing of our story is part of our healing because otherwise we remain a victim. Yeah. And someone did something to us and in reframing that and taking hold of that story, making it ours, we empower ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I like to say to people, you know, look, look at the skills that you've built uh, and the knowledge that you've gained from the situation you've been in and, and use those. You know, you've come out with those skills. Focus on those skills that, that has made you that the person, the stronger person with more knowledge, more skills than you went into that situation or than that situation gave you. You know, it's about build, building back. Um, from a from a better place and that's post-loss growth i don't leave anyone without bringing up post-loss growth um and just what sarah was talking about just what you were talking about uh is where we tap into and we use a lot and people wonder what is resilience is it my strength yes it's your strengths but it's also reframing your weaknesses and saying okay so i could build that up a little bit better 
my interpersonal relationships or wherever we're, we're lacking a little. Um, and another thing I look at with resilience is it's really energy work. And yeah. people want to know what's energy work. Energy work is really taking a hold and knowing once again in our inner being who we are, what we have, what we've come from, what we can offer, what we can give back. And then seeing ourselves in that whole new light. And it rewires our brain, which is all such a part of our healing. Yes, absolutely. And and, and we do that ourselves from, from within. Absolutely. In letting go of what's gone and building on the skills that we've got, it's it's us. And, and coaches can help us to remember who we are and the skills that we've got. Um, but the coaches don't do the healing for us, do they? they? They remind us that we are the healers, that we can do that for ourselves. Absolutely. I, I do work with someone on my grief and it's sort of a symbiotic relationship. Um, but recently I've been dealing with a lot of repressed grief and repressed memories um, that were traumatizing. And so I have needed to go to them for that. And the first thing they said was, why didn't you tell me that happened? And I said, I did not remember. I knew it happened, but I did not remember. My body remembered. And yeah. so by bringing that out, you do start the healing process. And so it's a lot of you need to kind of take that um, event and look at it and examine it in a safe setting. support team get people who are positive build them around you someone who reminds you to eat right uh, someone a book on heal yourself those kinds of things are so much a part of rebuilding ourselves um, and you know it's interesting in talking with you how much I realized you came through tremendous loss and reframed and came out a whole new healed human being uh, that you're sharing and I'm just, I'm grateful to even know you and be a part of it all I love it and, and when I look back at it now uh, as part of my healing I I do believe I had to go through what I went through as awful as it was <laughs> that situation totally changed my life trajectory and I stepped out of nursing and into owning my own business and becoming a coach and then helping others. And I think had that situation have not happened, I would have still been on the same life path. So as awful as it was, I think I had to go through that to not only change my life path, but also to see and understand myself better and see where my strengths lay that I could build on. That's beautiful. Uh, absolutely. I, I think it is a... Um part of it not everyone wants to end up doing the kind of work that we do no everyone wants to have a a healing and the word healing some people think what on earth is that you know will the shaman come will a light bolt come down yeah it's really that inner work um of saying you know i'm gonna turn towards healing myself and as i do that everything starts to shift because i start to look for those lights, those points of light, those people, uh, those things, those events, those thoughts. It is a metamorphosis. 
isn't it just and i think also because we we're seeing the the our lives through the the life filters of our experiences and once we start looking at those experiences differently through the doing the inner work in ourselves our life filters change and we see life in a whole new light There we are. We're back. Oh, there you go. You're back again. So you were saying the life filters of our experience. I love that. I just love that. Yeah. So as, as we as we do that inner healing work, we change our life filters and we see life through different filters, through through healed filters or healing filters. Yeah. And so in understanding the brain. That's all a part of it. That is a, you know, people say, well, you don't rewire. But what you do is you create new pathways. Yes, yes, you do. And it is rewiring because you, you're making those new neural pathways that are wiring together and firing together. You know, I, I like to talk about with um, with different people that are trying to go through this process. And they're saying, but I automatically go to this super highway in my mind and I always remind them that we want to create that as like you have a new detour and you need and make that your new super highway. So sometimes we do a little envisioning where I say, what would you name your new super highway? Uh, and they'll say, you know, their name and, you know, new ways of being or something, whatever term they want to use. And it's like, OK, so remember that super highway and let that other one become the old rickety road and go down your new superhighway. Yeah, because I've seen research that says once you start wiring new neural pathways and you keep using those, the old ones actually break down. They do. They do. So, so once you keep going at that new neural pathway, keep wiring it and firing it all the time, keep that behavior changed and those thoughts changed, you can let go of the old ones, the old ways. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That is the way. And it, isn't it fascinating? We, a lot of this stuff has been talked about for a number of years. Research has been going this way. And the more that we see it confirm that this takes place, uh, the more astonished I am at the way indigenous people have had all along. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that the indigenous people and, and their their elders have, have just known this forever? Yes, uh, and and propagate it. Whereas in in the West, we seem to have lost touch with that. And, and yeah. like you said earlier about you know in in the tribes, people they're encouraged to express their grief, yes. whereas our society almost says you know d just deal with it, go away, deal with it, be quiet, you know and. Here's a few people that will help you for a little while. But as you say, once the funeral's over, we, in the main, we tend to get left to ourselves. Mm. So I want to point out something for anyone who's in grief and not sure what to do to help themselves today. Yeah. And so the most important thing is to know that this is natural in relation to your loss. And that when we talk about feeling into your grief, you have to do it in small doses. You want to do it using your breath. 
body and there's lots of ways to ground into your body. Um, and another thing I suggest to people who are in grief is make a sacred space. And that's not to tell you it's a certain um, religion or viewpoint, but that sacred space is your space with some memorabilia from your loved one. You can put a candle, put a picture, put something of theirs that you can hold. Some people like to bring something they can smell um, or a fragrance of theirs or light some incense. Keep Kleenex and a glass of water there and schedule time for mourning. Go there and let yourself mourn and know that that is your time and and take care of yourself afterwards, nurture yourself afterwards, rest, your body's tired, reset, rehydrate. Those are important things as we lean. That's what it really means to lean into or feel our grief. Absolutely. So, so beautiful to be able to, to, to do that um, and help people to know that it's okay to do that. Because I think a lot of people grieve alone and, yeah. and don't really know what to do and just maybe sit in tears yes. rather than like that sacred space is beautiful because it, it gives them that time, all those memories, the smells, the visual cues, and they know that they've got that time to grieve. If you need music, put on a song that will help uh, hold the picture of your loved one. And it's, I call it scheduling time to mourn. And it's yeah. a really important part of grief. Um, Absolutely, yes, yeah. Because in today, today's modern world, we don't usually take that time, or we're not even encouraged no. to take that no. time. No. Um, so you know, and and just let those tears flow, because yes. tears are healing. You know, they the were. They, they, you can read what's in them and there's stress in those tears. Yes, yes, absolutely, under a microscope. But yes. they, they, it's again, it's about that outpouring, isn't it? And tears are an outpouring and it's helping wash and cleanse that emotional body. You will, I, I hear this all the time. When they do schedule that time, they tell me, oh my gosh, I felt so much lighter. Oh, fabulous. Yeah. So. Oh, that is wonderful. And there's other something else I want to say too. And that is sometimes for the work that I do, <laughs> when I tell people not to grieve alone, that's often when they're overwhelmed by it. If, if you're overwhelmed by it, um, then reach out for help. And I'm someone you can reach out to because I'm not, I'm pretty booked with clients. I, you have no obligation when you reach out to me. And I'm happy. I talk to people all over the world who just want to hear me say, that's normal. That's, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And we may have one conversation where they say, oh my gosh, I feel so relieved. And I'm happy to do that. Yeah. Um, so, and there's people just need to hear that absolutely it, it's it validates their feelings doesn't it it does yeah, absolutely and sometimes too their family is doing better than they are and they don't understand they're like why am i not doing as good and so it's okay it's okay don't compare we don't compare grief no, no. <laughs> we're all different yes absolutely so yeah yeah oh wonderful misty you do some beautiful work 
I love it. I it's and people say to me, "All right, how are you going to be?" Especially my family when I first started, they were worried because they knew they could see I had shut down, I had detached, um, I had withdrawn, and so there was some concern. And um, as I tell them, it is a joyful work that I do. Yeah, um, I just see the joy returning and the laughter and the tears, and we call it the bittersweet of grief. Yeah. And it becomes something now your whole body feels that bittersweet uh, rather than just a pain. And, and it really is an amazing thing. And, you know, I believe that we're, I think it's a, it's an expected part of being human. And so when we put on ourselves, like I did, I have to be strong. I can't show this in front of my the children, my parents. I can't show how broken I am from my brother's death. I became a an automaton, <laughs> and that's no way to handle grief. It's not. No, no. And I think the work that we do as well uh, reflects where we've come from in our own journeys. And I don't know about you, but but it brings me so. I'm sure it's the same with you. It brings me so much joy working with clients and seeing them mm -hmm. heal on their own path and and it kind of nourishes my soul and and i think it's helping me further because we're all we're all in a stage of healing at some point we've all got things to heal whether we know it or not and i think it's the work that we do with the clients that we have um just nourishes us and and helps us on our own healing journey as well i think you've really nailed it well yeah the nourishing yeah the nourishing of our healing and so people say to me how do i know i'm ready to heal um, and i say you know it might be small doses it might be a start and stop it might be you start and say i need a break right away it's okay it's okay it's a very personal journey um so no judgment on that yeah. and it's um, definitely not linear is it oh my There's goodness no there's no nice healing line that goes off like this. It's No. And so some people feel that they've moved through it. And then they come back and they say, you know, like me. I mean, my example is perfect. I'm finding things are coming up. It's been interesting this year um, where I felt like at the end of last year, oh, I've really dealt with <laughs> all this stuff and I, I feel so good and then start other stuff started to come up that I had not dealt with and that's just the ongoing process of healing isn't it just and sometimes out of the blue you know something will happen you'll go oh that really, that really touched me that did you know and it's like okay so so what is it that that's in there that's still unhealed that that really touched and that's kind of what happened this year. And I think it's because I felt open. I felt light. I felt I had dealt with what I needed to. And that's when there was room now, you know, that we talk about the energy space. And that was when there was room for new things to come up. And so they have. And, and that's just sort of part of the whole thing of making it a journey. And, you know, it is lifelong absolutely absolutely <laughs> lifelong and up and down and down yeah yes. yeah yeah beautiful beautiful right misty we're coming to a close now so um could you let people know where they can find you oh yes okay so i am and um, i'm not on any social media except linkedin 
So find me there. And oh, it's Misty Fields, um, Healing Grief and Trauma. I have a link. But I'm sure if you type up Misty Fields LinkedIn, there I'll be. Connect. Um, and please don't be afraid to reach out with a message that says, hey, you know, I just need someone to listen to me for a few minutes. That's okay. I'm fine with that. I love it. And um, where else? My website is wholeheartcoachingrenewyourlife.com. <laughs> and I have a very busy blog uh, as well as I have a number of downloadable ebooks. And I don't keep... Um, you don't have to give your name or any information. Just go to my website, wholeheartcoachingrenewyourlife.com, and you'll find a blog. You'll find frequently asked questions, and you'll find these downloadable eBooks that you can download and have. And they're very um, simple for a for a mind that might be heavy with with grief. And you can read through them and start to say, okay, okay. I can, I can do this. I will be okay. And that's my main message. Oh, that's beautiful, Misty. Thank you for that. And I shall also put your details underneath in the, in the text. Um, you. <laughs> with your, your bio about yourself as well. So thank you for joining me, Misty. Oh, there it's you been are. Beautiful to hear not only your healing, but some advice to help anybody who's going through that grieving process to help mm -hmm. them too. My pleasure. I thank you so much for spending time with me and for inviting me on, Sarah. It's a joy to know you. Oh, and likewise, my darling. <laughs>